out of him. I think we water him twice a day and put like that, you know, that thing around it so the animal can't get to it, like that black thing. We've got a lot of deer up there. So, and we just took care of them for a year. And the first year they grew, and, but there was no fruit that first year. I was a little disappointed. I can't remember like going out there like expecting to find an apple and really wanting one, but there's no fruit. But that's fine. So the next year we did the same kind of thing, um, you know, took care of it, used like that like tree food kind of stuff, you know. And they grew bigger. I think if I remember right, they grew about this tall, though of course I was shorter then, so. But they only grew about this tall. Had, they had some uh, flowers, like some buds, but no fruit ever grew from those trees. I think the reason why is the area in our yard where those trees were planted was clay. And we dug it up and we put topsoil in there and, and we put like plant food there. But the soil was clay. I know it was clay because I used to dig it up and like build stuff with it. And I guess you just can't grow fruit trees in clay. The, thing, the lesson I learned is you only get fruit from trees that are planted in good soil. You can do your best to try to make it happen, but it didn't happen. Now, the reason why I tell you that story this morning is because I want to talk about fruitfulness. We're going to look at John chapter 15. In fact, if you have your Bibles and you want to open them up, uh, you can open up to John 15. We're going to stay there in the very beginning of John 15, look at a couple different verses there. We're going to talk about fruitfulness. And this is a, a part in the Bible, passage of the Bible, where Jesus talks to his disciples about what it means to be fruitful. Now, when I say the word fruitful, what I mean for me is being a person that makes a mark on the world, a person who has a legacy, a person who has an influence, who accomplishes something. That's what I mean when I'm talking about fruitfulness. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples about what it looks like for them to be fruitful. So we'll look at John chapter 15, a passage you're probably familiar with. Um, maybe you've read it before. Maybe you've heard messages about it before. But I want to look at it through um, a different lens. This morning, I want to talk about four myths about fruitfulness, four misconceptions that we have about fruitfulness, things that I, I see people, I hear people say, or I see people do that reveal that there's a misunderstanding. And just a quick inside tip, when a preacher says, this is something that other people misbelieve, what they really mean is this is something that I personally have misbelieved. And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you about, about those things. So, but first, let's start off by reading John chapter 15. Um, and we'll start in verse 1. We'll read the first, uh, I think, nine verses here. Jesus, this is Jesus talking to his disciples um, right, uh, shortly before he leaves them. And he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, 
he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and they're burned. But if you abide in me, and my words in, abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Holy Spirit, we pause right here before we go on. We ask you to come, great teacher, and teach us the things that we need to learn from this passage. Pray that you would apply it to our lives. So it wouldn't just be an ancient text, but it would be something that would speak to us this morning. Amen. So um, the first myth that I want to talk about this morning is one that is, is pretty simple uh, and you can, uh, pretty easy to misunderstand, and I can see why that would be. The first myth is that the Father judges my fruitfulness. If you're taking notes, that can be the first point. Is the Father judges my fruitfulness. And I can see why you would pick up this, this misunderstanding because it says in verse 1 there, it says that the Father, um, whatever branches don't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he cuts. I remember hearing um, uh, Pastor Pierre from the Father's House in Rochester preach about this one time, and he said in kind of a, a joking way, he said, every branch that doesn't gets cut off. Every branch that does gets cut down. Either way, you're going to get cut. Which is funny, but it, it proves the point that God is looking to cut us down. And we kind of feel that way sometimes. That either way, whatever we do, he's going to be cutting us. But I want to I challenge that myth. Um, based on some other things I see in this verse here. So if you wrote that down, the Father judges my fruitfulness, I want you to cross it off. And the truth that I want to give you is that the Father cultivates my fruitfulness. It says, the first thing is, one of the first things it says, it says, my Father is the vine dresser. He's the one who has planted the seeds. He's the one who wants the fruit to grow. Now, um, we had a decent number of people who grew up on farms. So maybe a better illustration would be to say that the Father is the farmer. Or maybe the father is the gardener. He's the one who has planted the crops. He's planted the, the, um, whatever the plants might be, and he wants a harvest. And think about what a gardener does when they have a garden. They plant seeds, and then um, usually they'll put a fence around the garden because we have animals that come and eat the fruit. So they'll put a fence around it to protect it, right? How many of you guys have ever felt like God has put a fence around your life and kept you from, from things that you thought were good, but he was protecting you. And something else gardeners will do is they'll weed their garden, right? They'll pull out things that they didn't plant, things that they don't want there. You ever felt like God was weeding things out of your life? Sometimes God weeds things out that we think are good. Relationships, we think, oh, that's a good friendship. That's a good relationship. But God can see that it doesn't, it's not helping you, and he pulls those things out. So sometimes we feel like the Father is judging us. Like he's saying, you're not being very fruitful. You're not being a very good Christian, and so I'm going to punish you. And I would challenge that myth to say the Father is cultivating something in you. He's saying, I see there's a lot of good in you, and we just need to pull out some of those distractions. We just need to put a fence around and guard the good stuff that's in there because he's cultivating something good. And so the last line in that, in that first verse is that he cuts us that we may bear more fruit. That's the Father's goal for our life, is that we would be fruitful. Which brings me to my second myth, 
that I think we fall into, which is that my job is to produce fruit. My job is to be a fruitful person, to be a fruitful Christian, to be a Christian who does lots of good things, lots of Christian things. Um, and that seems like a really good thing for us to think and to believe. Um, but I don't know that that's true. Let's look at the verse really quick. Let's look at um, verse number four. It says, or that's verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And when I usually read this, I like to read it like this. I am the vine, you are only a branch. I read it to myself, Ben, you are only a branch. You are not the one responsible for the fruit. You're just hanging on to the vine. So if you wrote, my job is to be fruitful, cross it out. That's a myth. The truth is, my job is to abide. My job is just to stay close, to stay connected. It says it right in that verse, whoever abides in me will bear fruit. It's not whoever works hard or whoever does all the right things will bear fruit. It's whoever abides. So that's the key is abide. But I think we need to talk about that for just a minute. What does it mean to abide? You know, honestly, abide, it's not a word that we use in our modern day, in our everyday language very often. In fact, most of us are probably familiar with this word because it's in this verse or it's in songs, Christian songs or, or something like that. We don't really use that word a whole lot. You don't tell people like, oh, that's where I abide. You know? So let's just take a second and look at the word abide and see what that, that means. So I, I was kind of like reading up on it and studying it a little bit, and I found this one definition that I really liked that kind of drove the point home, and it was simply this. To abide is to stay where you are. Just to stay to stay put, not to try to, to do something else, to go somewhere else, but to stay there, to get comfortable there, um, to remain, to remain planted. <clears throat> In the, uh, the message version of the Bible, I really like the way they translated this, this verse here. They said that to abide is to make yourself right at home here with me. Basically, get comfortable and stay there. Now, that thinking might contradict maybe what you thought you, know, you knew about being a Christian. Like, I'm supposed to get comfortable and stay here? I'm supposed to just stay put, make myself right at home? Like, aren't we supposed to be like pushing forward and pushing ahead and growing and stretching and, and all that kind of stuff? So why would this tell us to stay, to abide? Um, I want to read you this, this quote. It's from a book by Andrew Murray, and the book's called Abide in Christ, and it talks about this, this verse and a lot of this stuff right here, and he, he gives us this point, which I think is really, really good for us to think about. Can you throw that quote up there? He says, we need to give up our abiding into the care of God, So basically we need to let God do the abiding, and we need to realize that what we do is only a manifestation of what God is doing. You know, the best that we have is really just a reflection of that God's at work in us. However, this is important, this he can do only with power when we cease interrupting him with our self-working. God can only work in us when we stop getting in his way, when we stop interrupting him. Now, how many times does our attempts to do good actually stopping God from doing what he's trying to do? Um, this last fall, I had the, the fun opportunity to coach my young boys' soccer team. And, uh, you know, that was, that was fun. It was a little bit, of, little bit of fun, a little bit of like, felt like I was banging my head against the wall. But that was cool, though, you know, that was good. And so 
I'll tell you, if there was one thing I shouted more than anything else from the sidelines, it was, stay in your position. Because, you know, before we would start the game, I would sort of, you know, I had a little board and I would chalk out like, you're here and you're here and you're here. And then, of course, as soon as the whistle blows, they all just go right for the ball, right? And then I would try to explain to them, like, you're the left wing. You should always be on the left side. You should never go on the right side. Nope. There's a feeling. <laughs> or you're on the defense. You should be... You should never be in front of the offense. You should be back. Stay back. Stay back. But then as soon as the soccer ball gets kicked, they take off. And I was like, stay in your position. Stay in your position. And they wouldn't. But I felt like as I was working on this, as I was reading this passage, I felt like God said to me, Ben, stay in your position. Understand what is your job and what is not your job. Your job is to abide in Christ. Your job is not to produce fruit. Your job is not to do something super powerful and super impactful and, and amazing. Your job is simply to abide in Christ and let him do the work. And I, I've definitely experienced this, to be true. I've found that the harder that I work at being good, the more I mess up. Like, seriously, this is, it's kind of crazy to me. I can be up to my neck in the Bible, um, taking classes about the Bible, preparing for sermons that I'm preaching, um, preparing for youth ministry, you're just trying to do all kinds of good stuff. And the more good stuff I do, the easier it is for me to get drawn away from God. When I focus all of my energy on doing something good, it's when I'm most likely to mess up. Instead, we ought to put our focus on abiding with Him, on staying close with Him. So this is the, this is the main point I want you to get, which is if you want to be fruitful in your life, then you've got to stay close to Jesus. Make that your goal, that you're going to stay close to him. If you want to be, like I said in the very beginning, my idea of fruitful is um, a legacy. If you want to leave a legacy, then stay close to Jesus. That's the key. Real fruitfulness is rooted in a deep relationship with him, in a constant relationship with him. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I'm not that old, but I am old enough to remember what it was like before we had cell phones. I don't know how many of you guys remember the pre-cell phone, the dark ages. <laughs> yeah. Awful time. Awful time, yeah. And so if you, uh, if you wanted to call somebody, you had to you'd get your phone out, and it was usually attached by this long cable to the wall, right? And then you would talk to them, and then when you were done talking, then you would hang up the phone, and that would be the end of the conversation, right? And then you wouldn't talk to them again until you called them again or until you saw them again. But now we have cell phones in our pockets. How many of you have a cell phone in your pocket? It's okay, we all do. And if somebody wants to talk to you, they can send you a message right now. You know what I mean? And it's like the conversation almost never ends. It's like this sort of ongoing, indefinite conversation that's always happening. There's lots of breaks when I ignore the messages and don't respond. But the conversation is still going back and forth just endlessly. Um, and I think that can be kind of what it ought to be like with us in Christ. It's not like, okay, I'm going to have a good conversation with, with Jesus on Sunday morning, and then I'm going to have a prayer time on Wednesday, I'm going to talk to him, and then Saturday night, I'm going to get together with him. It's not like that. It's this constant conversation where this message is going back and forth all day long, every day. That's what it ought to be like. Um, and just to be clear, I'm not claiming that that's what my relationship was like. I'm telling you that's what I strive for, and I'm encouraging you to strive for the same thing. We're in this constant relationship with God, and it's in that staying close to Jesus where fruitfulness comes from. 
I can remember um, one of the last times George Veach was with us. George Veach, I don't know if you, you guys don't remember him, he is an elder, uh, a prophet, he's a man of God uh, who doesn't travel nearly as much anymore. But the last time he was here at our church, he spoke a message. And I can remember one of the things he said that really stuck with me. Um, and I just, it really has carried me in a lot of ministry and just a lot of things that I do in life. And he said this, relationship with God releases the anointing that allows us to be and to do what God has called us to. Relationship with God releases the anointing. He said, what he said was, like, it's one thing for you to have a good gift, to be really talented, you know, to be really dedicated to what you're doing. But that's only going to get you so far. Relationship with God is what releases the anointing for you to really be what he's called you to be. And that's always been an, an encouragement to me. So our job is to simply abide with him. Um, the third myth that I want to give you guys this morning is my fruit is what I produce. My fruit is all the good things that I bring to the world, whether that's in my family, with my kids, whether that's here at this church, um, you know, maybe it's you know, time that I volunteer, money that I give. Like That's the fruit of my life, right? And I want to tell you that's a myth and that's not true. So uh, let's look at verse number eight. What does it say there? It says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you prove to be my disciples. So the Father is glorified when we prove to be his disciples. The fruit that God wants to produce in your life is not more people coming to the church. It's not more money donated. It's not more trips that you take overseas. The fruit that God wants in your life is for you to look like Christ. So if you, wrote, if you wrote that down, my fruit is what I produce, cross it off. The truth that I want to give you is this. My fruit is who I become. That's the fruit that he wants to produce in you, is who you become. Think about what is the fruit of being, being, close, to, being close to Christ? What's the fruit of that? It's being more loving, being more joyful, being more patient, being more kind, gentle. These are the things that grow out of this relationship with, with Christ. And this is what the Father wants. God delights in who we are, not in what we can do. Which, I was thinking like this, this is what it's like with you and a good friend. Or at least it's what it should be like with you and a good friend, is you like them for who they are and not for what they do. Right? You don't have your good friends who think, well, I really like that person because they own a pickup truck. Or... <laughs> because they can, you know, help me file my taxes or something like that. Like, you have friends you like just because of who they are as a person. And that's how God feels about us. He likes us. He loves us for who we are, um, not for something that we can kind of do. And it's who we are becoming. That's the fruit he wants to produce in us. Uh, Matthew Henry put it this way. I like this. He said, from a vine, we look from grapes. From a Christian, we look for Christ. And so the fruit is us showing Christ to people and becoming like Christ. Um, the greatest impact that we have is our own relationship with God. That's the thing that we really bring to the table, whether it's at your job or in your family uh, or wherever it might be. That's the thing you bring is, is your relationship with God. Um, so I was thinking about this 
Uh, a couple weeks ago, I took the youth from our church to the Saturate Youth Conference, which is a big conference uh, in Lima at the Elam Gospel Church, and they have speakers and they have worship team, and the kids get loud and crazy, and there's lights and loud music. You guys would hate it, but the kids love it. <laughs> and they have this guy come, and he speaks, and his name is Adam McCain. Um, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard him speak before. I think he was here at our church once a couple of years ago, but maybe you've heard him before, you've heard of him. But he came and he speak to the kids, and I, I love bringing the, our teens out to hear Adam McCain because he's really funny, um, and he really gets their attention. But here's the question I want to ask you is like, uh, and I'm not putting you on the spot, but from the teens who were there, do any of you guys remember any of the points that Adam preached? Any of the points of his message? I don't. Okay, I'll just tell you right now, I don't. Okay. She said he smashed a watermelon, which is true. Um, but do you remember any of the, the points that he gave? Like, what were the scriptures that he, he there were the, the points he made about the scriptures he read? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew I was going to make this illustration about remembering what people are like more than what they say, and I knew Jocelyn was going to spoil it because she's going to remember some of the points from the message. Good job, Joss. Um, but the rest of the, the teens and myself probably don't remember a lot of the points that he gave. Because people don't remember as much what you do or say as they do remember who you are. Now, if I ask some of the teens to describe what Adam McCain is like, I am quite sure that they could all explain to me what he is like. He is very, very funny. He's very, very animated. He's a little bit crazy. Um, He's a little bit ridiculous. And he absolutely loves God. He's absolutely sold out doing whatever God wants him to do, and he does not care what people think about him. You can tell by how ridiculous he gets on stage. He doesn't care what people think or what they say about him. And so by watching him, they learn not so much what he says and what what he knows, but they see who he is. That's what people get from you. It's not what you know or what you do, but they get who you are. That's the impact you have on the world is who you are. So if you want to be like Jesus, then stay close to him. Because the closer you stay to him, the more you become like him. You guys know what this is like. The, when you're with your family, you start acting like your family. Anyone else want to admit to that? Um, or no? Someone says no. Yeah, so the more we're with Jesus, the more we act like Jesus. So if you want to be fruitful, stay close to him. The fourth myth that I want to give you is this. It's real simple. It's that Jesus loves me when I'm fruitful. And that's not true. Cross that out. That's not true. The truth is that Jesus loves me. It's that simple. And if we ever get too smart for something as simple as that, then we're in a dangerous place. We need to stay here. That Jesus loves me. And I think this is a dangerous myth because I don't think anybody would say that they believe that. I think we're all smart enough to know that Jesus loves me um, not only when I'm fruitful. I think if I, if I pulled this room right here, nobody would say, oh yeah, Jesus loves me more when I do good things. We all know it. We know it in our heads, but our hearts forget that he loves us. No matter what we produce, no matter what we do, he loves us. 
And Christian discipleship, following Jesus, is at its simplest, is being loved by him and loving him. It's so simple, at its core, that's all it is. And that's why I said abiding means to stay where you're at. It's to stay in a place where you love Jesus and he loves you. And that, my friends, is a fruitful place to live. Um, my wife and I have been married for 13 years. Is that right? I think 13. <laughs> We're going to go with 13. Um, and for those of you who have been married for a couple of years, can probably relate to this, that um, I remember what it was like um, before we got married, and then uh, you know, shortly after, we called that the honeymoon phase of your relationship, uh, where just it's like, <laughs> it's almost disgusting in a way, where it's like all you want to talk about is, ooh, I love you, and like, that, that kind of stuff. And eventually you kind of like, as your marriage goes on, you kind of grow into more like a day-by-day uh, living life and relationship. And there's something beautiful about that honeymoon stage of love that you never want to lose. Am I right about that? You never want to lose that. No matter how long you stay married, you want to try to maintain some of that feeling in your marriage. And the same thing is true of our relationship with Christ. A lot of times when we start off, we're like, Jesus loves me, and I love Jesus, and I'm excited about that. But then, as you're a Christian for uh, you know, day after day, week after week, year after year, you lose some of that excitement, some of that passion. So I want to challenge you to return to that honeymoon stage phase of love with Jesus and to stay there, to stay in that place where you just love him. And I want, to, I want to be a person who lives out of that place of love. I want to be a person who all that I do, all, the, all my fruitfulness comes from that place. Not from trying to make something happen, from trying to be a good person, but from that place of being loved and loving him. So if you want to be fruitful, stay in love with Jesus. Whatever you've got to do, to stay in love with him, to remind yourself of that, to stay focused on that. So I want to end this morning, but I just want to give you a moment. I know we all need this moment to be reminded, to remember. Um, You can close your eyes, bow your head if that helps you. You can stare awkwardly at me if that helps you. Um, I'm just going to take a moment and I'll close us with a prayer, but I'm going to just give us a moment before we do. Maybe you felt a little bit distant from Jesus, and you want to take a moment now to talk with him.